are listening to First Inhuman, where we interview industry leaders and investors to learn about their journey to inhuman clinical trials. Presented by Vial, a tech-enabled CRO. Hosted by Simon Burns, CEO and co-founder, with episodes launching weekly on Tuesdays. Featuring special guest host, co-founder Andrew Bracken. For episode 30, we sit down with Craig Lipset, co-chair at the Decentralized Trials and Research Alliance. Learn more about the future of decentralized trials and how the increasing prevalence of remote and hybrid research can lead to more accessible and equitable trial participation. I'm Andrew Rackin, and this is First in Human. Vial is a CRO that empowers biotech with faster and more efficient clinical trials. Today, we're talking about decentralized trials, and we're here with Craig Lipset of DTRA. Hi, Craig. How are you doing? Hey, Andrew. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me today. DTRA is the Decentralized Trials... Decentralized Trials and Research Alliance, DTRA. It's a global nonprofit collaboration with about 100 organizations from pharma and biotech, CROs, tech companies, government agencies, site networks, advocacy groups working together to ease the global adoption of decentralized research. And I have a feeling we're going to have a few minutes together to talk about what exactly that even means. Exactly. I'd love to know more about your background and how you got here. I have a couple of decades in clinical research, but most recently I went from a tech and services background to biotech to pharma. I was the head of clinical innovation at Pfizer, so leading innovative work in their development organization, and I was there for about a dozen years. And during that time, had the opportunity to help design and lead the industry's first fully decentralized clinical trial. I've been independent for the last four years. I split my time as an educator, teaching in health informatics and clinical trial innovation at Rutgers University, as an advisor with a number of pharma, tech, and investors, as an advocate with groups like the Foundation for Sarcoidosis Research, and as a board member with groups like the Decentralized Trials Research Alliance and others. And so all of my energy is focused still on the same problem, on the same use case. How do we identify and scale smart and innovative opportunities to impact clinical trials and medicine development? I just tackle it from a lot of different angles at the same time. That makes a lot of sense. Why don't we start at the beginning? Can you explain to us what is a decentralized trial and how does it differ from traditional trials? Absolutely. I think that's a great starting place because when people hear decentralized trials, their minds may jump in a lot of different directions. So to keep things simple, let's go with its definition. A decentralized trial is one that leverages technology and or processes that can help enable visits to take place outside of a traditional research site. If you break down those words that I just used, this is a story about certain technologies like electronic consent, self-reporting, connected devices, digital measurements, use of video. But equally important can be the use of innovative processes, extending our drug supply for people at home, using visiting nurses and home health services, maybe configuring our research sites themselves to serve as central virtual sites. 
importantly, I didn't say that everything takes place in the home or everything has to take place one way or the other. This is about ideally creating pathways that can give people more choice and options and how to participate and access research. And then finally, that last part of my definition was outside of a traditional research site, because those visits could take place at a site, they could take place at home, but increasingly we're seeing more and more expansive locations for where research can take place. And I think this all fits in that overarching theme of how do we open more doors for more people to be able to participate? Absolutely. And I think the hybrid model is just incredibly interesting because when you think about some of the visits that happen in the clinic today, it feels like so many of them could be hybrid remote visits. We're obviously doing this interview remotely and uh, the ability to put more remote visits into trials will allow for far more flexibility for patients, increase retention, solve all these other underlying problems that we have when we run trials. Hybrid just makes sense, right? It's how we are operating our lives yeah. as businesses. We still have meetings and conferences, but we can operate remote and virtually. It's how we do our grocery shopping and order dinner versus go to a restaurant. I don't want my supermarket or restaurants to close their doors to me. I still want to show up once in a while, but sometimes I need other ways to access them. And when we look at ratings of experience at research sites around the world, they're overwhelmingly positive. Our challenge in clinical trials is not that people don't like their experience with sites. The challenge is they can't always get there. And so the opportunity isn't let's shut down sites and replace them with entirely virtual models. There may be some types of studies where that fully virtual approach could make sense. But for most people, when we talk to people and listen to patients and different indications around the world, what we hear is pretty consistent. I'd like to be able to get to a site when I can, but I'd like other options to be able to access just to be able to fit with the other burdens and challenges in my journey as a patient and as in my life as a human. Yeah, it's a great point. And actually, when I think about the clinical trial software stack today, one point that just popped into my head that I really hadn't thought about before is, and maybe you'll push back on this because you know more about this than I know. Do you think that some of the decentralized and virtual trial vendors are building for a world of 100% or most trials that they support being virtual and decentralized, whereas the traditional software vendors aren't really adopting or implementing software that would allow for greater decentralized trials? It almost feels like there could be a bit of a disconnect today where you need like and maybe Vile should solve this gap eventually where you could support more of that hybrid model where certain visits are in person and then others are virtual. It's a great question. I would say that the universe of tech and service providers supporting this decentralized category are extremely diverse in the approaches and strategies they're taking. And some are definitely creating tools that can be used at a site or can be used from home. But we still see hybrid in most implementations as being yeah. ones where our protocol is dictating that visit one shall be in the clinic, visit two shall be with a visiting nurse, and so on. It's hard for us to truly embody what a, a study with choice and optionality looks like. One where we've scrutinized every visit in every schedule, and we're creating every possible opening for every doorway for each of those visits. And one of the reasons that's really hard is just the cost and the logistics of operating in that environment. How do I have a visiting nurse on standby and an investigator right. ready on the video <laughs> screen and the study coordinator ready to receive someone at the clinic, just waiting for them to 
click a button and make a choice. Do they have to click that button and choose a month in advance for me to manage the logistics? Or can they do it within a few days? It's certainly much easier in my local restaurant because we can leverage certain shared infrastructure, right? A DoorDash driver could deliver for my Chinese food or for my pizza and is pretty agnostic because our studies are so granular and specific. It's harder for us to leverage shared infrastructure like that. And it makes it much harder for us to operationalize some of these approaches today. I think we also are still hungry for next generation predictive analytics that can help us to anticipate what a different patient may want or need for their next visit so that I'm not sitting with three different scenarios always ready and on standby, but instead, how can I use more data to predict and anticipate that this patient is going to want a video visit or a home visit? Look, Amazon does this with all of us as consumers every day. They know that I'm going to order batteries tomorrow and have some batteries waiting at the depot closest to me ready to go. How do we bring that same type of savvy around prediction and bring more of that into better managing experience for patients in our trials. How has the pandemic and COVID-19 impacted the adoption of decentralized trials? Although COVID-19 may have increased adoption, the trials themselves did not really use any decentralized visits as far as I'm aware. And you can correct me. Certainly the pandemic catalyzed a spike in the adoption of approaches that were already available for us. We didn't have to go back to the bench and start coding and creating tools to help decentralize our trials. They were already there. What we found was prior to the pandemic, operators perceived these approaches as bringing risk, having visits taking place from home. During the pandemic, there was other risk in the environment that outweighed the risk of adopting these approaches. The risk that I'll miss patients, lose patients, lose data points in my trial outweighed the risk of whether I could successfully implement video, whether I could successfully implement a home visit in a trial. And so it was really just a question as always in our industry of risk benefit. And with adding in the additional environmental risk, we adopted. Now, the interesting question will be what happens as this pandemic recedes, becomes endemic in terms of adoption curves. I think that we will certainly expect to see some hesitancy come into the environment when there's uncertainty around how regulators will perceive these approaches going forward. But we've already seen papers coming out with decisions from EMA, China, Japan, Taiwan, other markets, and we have guidance that's on the horizon very soon from the FDA all around decentralized trial adoption. As we remove that ambiguity, I think we'll continue to see that upward trend in the use of these tools because as operators, we now know how to use them. When we take increased operating confidence and regulatory ambiguity, then we can see that type of adoption continue. Yeah, I'm eager and interested to read the FDA's guidance and their thoughts. So that's definitely exciting. That's coming soon. Let's talk about the drawbacks and challenges associated with decentralized trials. I know we've talked about a lot of the benefits. 
What are you seeing companies are struggling with from your perspective? You think about that sort of risk benefit story, right? So what are the benefits, patient factors, ideally, in terms of improving access experience, ideally being supportive of our goals of representation? As we hinted at, during the pandemic, this was really a story about resilience and business continuity. And so why did the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy put out an RFI about emergency clinical trials? Well, some of it was to see how do we stand up more of these approaches for continuity of research in an unpredictable environment. And between war and pandemic and other concerns that will stand in the way, there will always be some environmental factor that places a patient in jeopardy of not being able to get to a site. And increasingly now, Andrew, we see a third factor, even beyond the patient factors and business continuity, we see primarily coming out of Europe, a focus on green trials and sustainability efforts. As organizations, both large public and private biotech, focus on ESG and corporate social responsibility, certainly the large public pharma, but the small biotech because they're investors the different funds involved want to show their supporters that they're placing smart bets in these spaces. How can decentralized help us in terms of quantifying a better impact, a better footprint, less burden to the planet? But to your point, there are definitely downsides and risks here. We can't throw unfamiliar technology at patients and at sites and expect this to just work. People don't want to be left at home with an unfamiliar gadget and a box of investigational medicine. That's daunting. And so making sure we have robust tools, tech processes, and support in place. You uh, hinted earlier about enthusiasm waiting for the FDA guidance. We'll get some clues when we open the EMA's recommendations on decentralized that speaks very extensively about the importance of investigator oversight in these trials. And so when we think about drawbacks and challenges, that's certainly one of them. How do we make sure that our investigators have the data and tools that they need? If there's a visiting nurse going out, if there's a connected device that has data flowing over to the right and some other contracted visiting nurse providing some support over to the left, how does all this data and intelligence come back to the investigator so they can do their job in terms of oversight and safety? And then finally, making sure we have important considerations embraced around our endpoints and our measurements. For many organizations, there are great investments taking place to digitize and modernize measurements and endpoints. And that certainly helps us to create more flexibility around location. How do we have confidence that the way we're measuring it at home is the same as the way we're measuring it in the clinic? When we have a digital measurement, we get more objectivity and reproducibility agnostic to location. But these are some of the challenges we have to consider when we're planning. Absolutely. And I know the endpoint question is actually a challenge across the industry, right? Looking at certain areas of medicine where some of these more subjective endpoints are being questioned and there's not just in decentralized trials, but in all trials, we're looking for better endpoints. And so I think that would be a great benefit. All that technology will create a lot of value across the spectrum. You know, Andrew, so many organizations have 
different initiatives happening in place. And I know a lot of Vile's community are emerging biotech companies, but just for them to be cognizant of and to think about how do I leverage these? When you look at the non-drug initiatives in the development organization in pharma, you see over here about real-world data, over here about digital measurements, over there about decentralized, over there about AI and predictive, over there about DEI. And so how do other organizations, in particular small and mid-sized biotech, be able to take advantage of what is coming from a lot of that work, even if they don't have resources to run a half a dozen initiatives like a Pfizer and a Novartis might? How do biotechs, should they engage with the DTRA? And if there are any biotechs listening that are considering using some decentralized strategies in their trials, how should they engage with you and work with you? It is funny you mention that. We have this year a new program reaching out to biotech leaders. I wasn't even planning on bringing that up here today because it is that new. But if you are a leader in biotech, we are making room for you in DTRA because so much of our community there are the larger pharma and larger biotech that have been investing in this area. But we realize that CMO, that head of R&D at that emerging biotech or midsize, needs to understand what is reality, what is actually capable of happening today, what are the regulators really supporting. So within DTRA, something that we've introduced this year are kind of these micro-communities. And so we have a community of DCT leaders in pharma. We have functional communities for different folks that may be leading in monitoring or data management in these areas. And we're really looking to bring together a similar community for leaders in biotech that have their own issues, concerns, considerations, and needs, and how we can bring those stakeholders together. So I would encourage folks, take a look at DTRA.org. If you are from biotech and you're interested, there's a form to fill out and an email address, secretariat at DTRA.org. And we'd be happy to uh, follow up there. It's an exciting opportunity that really before this year, we weren't well positioned to support. That's great and hugely exciting. I know we have a number of listeners who will be uh, looking up your website and uh, doing a lot of research after this interview. I want to close out with a question about equality and equity in clinical trials. Diversity in clinical trials is obviously one of the top priorities of FDA, and they've made that very clear that any drug that will be approved in the foreseeable future, they'll be looking at the diversity of the patient population and making sure that it's representative of society and of the real patient population for that indication. How do we ensure that decentralized trials are accessible and equitable for all patients, especially considering the technology requirement that we spoke about earlier and the uh, learning curve involved in that? Great points here. I think that when we think about the technology that's involved with any of the tech in our studies, we can't assume that people have access to either certain devices or certain bandwidth and connectivity in their homes in order to support participation. And so even as our industry has made a very important step towards BYOD and enabling people to use their own devices in our trials, we still need to anticipate provisioning technology or connectivity for those who don't have in order to make sure that this is a level playing field. As organizations are developing their diversity action plans, I hope that none of them are putting the word decentralized trials at the top of the list, checking the box, and then flipping the page to work on another challenge. Decentralizing is a great companion for your diversity plan. It is not a solution for diversity in our trials. We have to address 
important top of the funnel concerns in terms of earning trust and making sure that people feel that they're invited to participate. Once people are being engaged and to even consider a trial because there is trust and awareness and that invitation has been extended, decentralized then can help in terms of making that trial more accessible, help that person when they're moving through that decision funnel and considering a trial as far as whether or not it's right for them and then in terms of their participation. I think the decentralized can be a part of your diversity plan. It shouldn't be the first box on your plan, and it should never be a place where we check that DCT box and feel that diversity is now baked within. It's a great companion for improving access. Thanks so much, Craig. I appreciate the time today. It was great to learn about decentralized trials and the opportunity ahead of us. So, Very much appreciate the opportunity to join you here, Andrew. Thanks again for the opportunity. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Apple, Spotify, and Google 